0: All right, so uh, go ahead and share with us uh, the most unique uh, kind of meal experience
1: you've had. Well, the meal, I'll skip ahead to the actual meal. The meal ended up being frogs that we caught with our hosts and wild ferns uh, collected off the mountainside
0: Welcome to the Better Mission Trips podcast from Standards of Excellence and Short Term Mission. I'm your host, Tori Ruark, and we believe that mission trips can and should be better. In fact, statistics suggest that maybe as many as 80% of short term missionaries are going out undertrained and underprepared. They're going out with the right heart, but they're not going out in the right way. In this podcast, we're going to discover together how to combine the right heart with the right way for God's glory. We're here, we're just gonna to refer to you as a friend of Asia yeah, uh, for that. security reasons. And of course, all of our listens, listeners will understand that. But uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, how you came to find yourself in Asia and your, you know, a little bit about your experience there. And then we'll start asking you some questions about the Asian culture and um, what we need to know to be able to, to minister
1: to those in, um, in Asia. Oh, okay. Um, well, you might have to edit this because my story is a bit long, but I'll try to keep it brief. Um, sure. Uh, I'll hit the highlights. Well, I, uh, at the age of um, 19, I went to a youth with a mission uh, school, discipleship training school. And um, I didn't go like most in my class went. I went just because it was convenient and I had a, a space of time between schooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them were there because they had a call to missions already. So I was a little bit, um, on the edge. Um, I felt, I felt they were a little bit too serious about Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I was beginning to wonder what, why I ended up there, but I knew it was God's doing. Uh,
0: uh-huh.
1: and cause I had no th- forethought of being a missionary. So, um, but within a couple of weeks, God really got a hold of me through some of the very good teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, one was hearing the listening for God and hearing the voice of God and how important it is. And I thought, mm, I never had that in my experience, my Christian yeah. experience, before this school, and that really caught me. Well, towards the end of the school, uh, we would have an outreach, and that outreach was also a life changer. Uh, it was the first time I ever shared the gospel with anyone. And um, it was life-changing, that short-term two-months trip. When we came back, of course, before our graduation, everyone was encouraged to ask God, to wait on God, and ask for next steps. And by that time, um, I was even willing to give up the schooling plan. That's how much God had done in my life. Uh, I had set this schooling plan in place years ago and before that. And so... When God spoke to me, it was very, very dramatic. Um, I had a vision and I saw myself riding a bicycle and people were gathering. I, I was with another a group of people riding bicycles. We were very colorful and um, brightly clothed and um, I love riding bicycles. So this really spoke to me. I said, whoa, this is exciting. But the place we were riding through was, wasn't very nice. It was quite dusty and gray and there was nothing colorful about it. Well, we stopped our bikes and God sh- showed me a group of people gathering around us, quite a crowd actually. And um, to me, they looked Asian. They had, um, they've had pretty much the same color of clothes. It was either kind of a drab blue or drab green. They all had little caps. And that this is, what is this place, strange place? And they were listening intently to everything we said. And God showed me getting the Bible out. So it was a very vivid vision. And that kind of ended it with seeing a man's face, Uh, an elderly man. And I I said, well, he looks very, yeah, he's obviously Asian. And so then I asked the Lord the question, what is this place? And God gave me one word. It was China. Mm -hmm. So uh, that said about a whole series of things, um, a long story, but to keep it short, um, the next week a man came from Hong Kong and uh, I said, Hong Kong, that's interesting. And he was talking about Vietnamese refugees. So I kind of turned my mind off from what he was saying because well, it's not China and it's not, it's Vietnamese people, they're not Chinese people. But he, he was very, um, adamant and very uh, actually kind of desperate he insisted that all of us uh that he see everyone bow our heads and that we ask god the question should i go to hong kong and uh i thought well this guy's pretty insistent um yeah and i just felt like well okay uh, i i'll just i mean what 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 the heck you know i mean i already know where god's going to send me so yeah. Uh, God spoke to me quite clearly and I was surprised and God said, go to Hong Kong. The other reason I didn't think anything of Hong Kong is I was sure Hong Kong was part of Japan. <laughs> and I think
0: so, we can all relate to that kind of uh, geographical state.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I thought, well, I went up to him and I said, I don't know why God would want me to go to Japan and work for Vietnamese. And of course he's grinning ear to ear. Those were the days with that PowerPoint. I'm a bit older. Yeah. And he didn't have any slides up or anything. So he pulls out, he unfurls a map and he says, well, friend, uh, this is Hong Kong. It's right here. It's not in Japan. And this <laughs> is the gateway to China. And I said, what? The gateway to China? And and then I told him, well, that's what God's calling me to, to China. He said, well, well, my friend, this is at this date, time in history, this is the only way you're going to get in. <laughs> so Yeah. If you want to get a visa to China, you got to go to Hong Kong at that time. So it was just opening. So that was kind of exciting. So at the age of 20, um, I was on a plane. uh, My first flight ever across, and it just happened to be a very long one. Uh, First time I ever got in a plane because I'm from a small town. And uh, I ended up in Hong Kong. So, um, yeah, that led to a work of God working in me uh, building character and learning how to serve others uh, first um, and learning a lot about culture with the Vietnamese refugees. And then uh, later um, I actually would be able to go to China with uh, riding a bicycle and, um, and then that, that uh, actually has continued on to, to this day, um, just being able to go and share and be, be tourists as bike riders. But, Um, tourists with a purpose you could say and um, looking for those that we can befriend and share the good news especially in villages yeah so (laughs) that was the fulfillment of the vision (laughs) wow amazing amazing (laughs) yeah
0: good uh i love to see how god works in uh really amazing ways and how uh, sometimes when we think we have him figured out (laughs) he surprises us
1: yeah Uh, for sure
0: So you've had uh you know this long um ministry uh in asia and of course um we're going to be talking about the asian culture and i mean there's no one asian culture there Mm i i I suppose there are some similarities you've you've seen that you've worked with the vietnamese refugees and as well as different peoples within asia and they, they all have their own unique cultures and perhaps there's some um similarities across some of these Asian cultures. And we'll try to, of course, uh, share out of your own expertise. We'll try to point out for our listeners when this is kind of something that perhaps has some um, broad uh, application across uh, multiple Asian cultures. But the whole goal here is just to be able to spend some time, go in depth a little bit about um, what we need to know about uh, ministering in Asian cultures and you know how that might be, uh, same or, or different from our own culture and, and, just to spend some time thinking and learning together. So thanks for joining us. And, um, so we'll just start with that really generic, uh, um, question. And that's, you know, again, from our Western perspective, um, uh, maybe I, I think we're still in a place where the, the default, if you believe in God, it's a monotheistic, there's one God. Uh-huh. Um, of course, not everybody believes there's God's atheistics, but um, you know, we're, we're very much conditioned, we monotheistic, we're very much conditioned towards the belief um, that there's an afterlife and there's a heaven and a hell. Yeah. Of course, there's some people who believe we're just worm food when we die and there's no afterlife. I mean, of course, even in our own Western cultures, there's variations, but I think we're generally conditioned to the idea you live one life in this body. And then if there's an afterlife, it's a spiritual thing and you live it perhaps for eternity. Mm-hmm. Maybe. In- oh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how is that different in the Asian culture? I guess the idea towards God uh, and the idea towards the afterlife.
1: Yeah. The Well, definitely afterlife is huge um, in Asia. I mean, think, look at how many religions we got over there. And they're all based on what you do now for the afterlife. So, yeah. Um, biggest um difference of course the biggest thing would be merit so earning earning your afterlife uh, earning what it's going to be like and that all asian religions have that in common uh whether it's hinduism buddhism confucianism any any of the isms over there Mm -hmm. they always have that piece that um you know what you do now is going to affect what you do in the future. And then that's how you deal with your sin issues. If if you did something bad, then you need to do equal amounts of good in some form or the other to balance that so that you'll have a chance. Um, but most of them for the afterlife concept is one part of it is earning it to get in there. The second part is once you're in there, uh, how are you going to stay there and how are you going to get better there? So mm-hmm. that's why we have a lot of concepts of um, ancestor worship where the family left behind is going to give a lot of offerings because their relative is in the afterlife, but perhaps they don't have enough food. Or we don't know, maybe they don't have a good house. Maybe they need a servant. So there'll be a lot of burning of effigies, burning of houses. These are all things for the dead. Um, so the smoke goes into the spirit world and they'll burn money. They call it, uh, believe it or not, they call it hell money, but which is kind of sad, but to them, uh, it's a very different concept. The afterlife is kind of like uh, life here. It also has some suffering issues. It also has some obstacles. Um, And um, so when we share of Jesus and what he did for us. Um, And even that concept uh, before he resurrected that he preached to all those in the, in hell, that was like, to them, that would be what really? And he offered hope to, I mean, everyone who ever existed has this hope and always will have this hope um, if they believe in Jesus. And then this concept of, um, the afterlife being like what, then you bring back in, you know, God's creation. That's how he intended it. He intended this amazing world that had no sin and it was beautiful and there was nothing corrupt about it. And that is harder for them to understand because they've only seen a corrupted world and they think, right. well, then you go to another extreme, um, and you, which we all, all hear about, you go to this other extreme called Nirvana, which is the extreme of Buddhism. But you have to remember that Nirvana is the place finally where there is no suffering, but it's not like heaven. It's not a heaven. In fact, it's, it's a place where you're not aware of anything. Hmm. So it's a concept for a Westerner. And even I think for Asians, it's, it's really bizarre. It's hard right. to, you can't put anything concrete on it because it is not concrete. It's if it's concrete, it's not Nirvana. So it has to be something that is not possible to feel because to the Buddhist um, even feelings are what brings suffering. Emotions bring suffering. So you got to get rid of all of this stuff. Hmm. So um, there's quite a, quite a process to get to that point. And
0: it sounds like the afterlife is much more fluid than what, uh, in a perhaps a Western culture, especially Christians, right. would believe very about much. So it's a
1: continuous a- circle. If there's circles in life, there's circles up there too, and <laughs> it just <Yeah>. keeps going. <laughs> Interesting. And we're very linear. Linear. We 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 got this. We got this hope, and uh, and we're there, and it's eternal like that. I mean, which also is is really hard, right? How can we think of eternity? Mm-hmm. It's just we can't. It's we have no idea. <laughs> Eternity because we're limited by time and space. So, yeah. Um, So I guess you could say in short, yeah, I think most Asian religions, they keep, they keep the afterlife still limited by time and space in a way Mm -hmm. because there's things that people on earth can affect you, your afterlife. Uh, And you know, the the biggest dishonor and the biggest fear for a lot, most Asians is um, is if you brought shame to the family or a community, it's very possible there is no merit to make up for it. And it's very possible you're not gonna be able to have anything in the afterlife. You're gonna be what's called a hungry ghost. And the hungry ghost concept is not just China. That's Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, all these Asian nations the hungry ghost concept is you're stuck it's kind of like the Yao, uh, the 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 fellow i talked about on the bridge you know uh, this tribal guy it was that concept you know he if he didn't he's just stuck at the bridge <laughs> unless somebody yeah. calls his name over there that yeah. knows him you know could be a family member or something like that if he brought shame on the family they're not going to call him wow wow and he's yeah. just stuck he's stuck in like this horrible uh, you know it's not necessarily Um, hell or anything, but it's just, it's almost like hell because he's going to have no offerings. He'll have, he'll be hungry. So that's why they call it hungry ghost. And then there's in Asia, if you're in certain periods, every country will have a hungry ghost festival where they're putting offerings everywhere on the street on, I mean, not just in places of worship, there'll be masses of food everywhere. You'll see it all over the place. And it's because they're afraid of those hungry ghosts because those are the guys that could cause some trouble because yeah. they're not safely in another circle or in this circle. They're like in between and they're going to cause messes. And so just yeah. as an insurance policy, I'm going to put some food out there.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
1: Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> there Excellent.
0: Uh, well, let's start actually start this way. Um, of course, the, the context of what we're talking about here really is more short-term missions as opposed to long-term missions. So uh-huh. as you think about um, the Asian culture, now I know your experience really is there in China. Um, what types of, um, uh, what does ministry look like for short-term missionaries? You can speak out of your own experience um, as well as any other things you've seen what are the openings? What what opportunities are there to serve? Um, what kinds of things uh, would you recommend?
1: Yeah, um, I think, well, culturally, um, I think for a short-termer, I can just share maybe a couple of things that stand out quickly mm-hmm. um, for the short-termer uh, when they go. And it's just the, um, the mindset of the person you're talking to, the worldview that we often use that term. But um, just thinking that as we go, especially if, if I'm speaking to someone from a Western uh, viewpoint, worldview, um, like Americans, mm-hmm. uh, or New Zealand, or Australia, or uh, UK, we have a very, uh, or European, we have a very individualistic um, mindset. So we, we have grown up saying, um, you make the decision about the future, you you decide your path. You yep. um, you you're, you're interested in that? Go for it. But I think um, when you go to China and other Asian countries, um, not just a communist country, but just Asian country in, in general, you'll find that the um, the message of your future for that person you're talking to is not coming from himself. He's not making. Uh, decisions necessarily himself or because I'm interested in this, I want to go for that. He's actually been kind of molded by his family and maybe even society and maybe even a little bit by government in China. That's especially true that your past should be this because maybe you have these aptitudes or, um, so there's a lot of people, um, in Asia that won't understand, um, you completely because they're thinking you're like them. Yeah. And uh, but if we can remember, yeah, we're very different. We're so uh, that comes into sharing the gospel that um, we also have to keep in mind that their decision they make that's life changing like that. um, Of course, it's a spiritual matter, so it's going to tug at their heart. The Holy Spirit will do its work in their heart and they will make a decision. But in, you got to remember as you're sharing that they're also, their mindset is sometimes um, what will my parents think or what uh, would they approve of this? Or whereas in the West, we would probably, we would think of parents later, but right. it, we wouldn't think of them initially. So yeah. sometimes there's some kinds, sometimes there's a need for a little bit of patience Um share the gospel as we should share the full message and, but look for what the Holy Spirit's doing and, um, and just, you know, sometimes they won't make decisions quickly and that's okay because um, that means they're thinking about it. And when they do um, as the Holy Spirit works, um, it'll be a greater effect on their family. We hope they'll share with their family what mm-hmm. you've shared and that they will ask their elders and, And we just pray that somehow the message would get through to the elders and those around them. Um, yeah, I think another uh, one that kind of stands out is, um, is well, I don't know if this, this is general enough, but I I think it is. I think food is also an issue for short termers Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we're going to go to places where, um, in Asia, you're going to go to places where, yeah, the diet is really, really different. And, um, um, I always encourage short-termers just, you you only have a few weeks or maybe less than a month, um, try everything and, and try to be as much like them and enjoy what they enjoy as much as possible, because you're really going to win their hearts when they see, um, your willingness and, um, so I think foods are really important. And again, it's kind of an individualistic thing and a group mentality again, because, uh, mm. Asia culture is usually, especially in China, it's that kind of, we have that lazy Susan kind of thing in the middle of the table that goes around and around and yeah. all the dishes are put there on the table and it's for the group. So we don't have this concept, um, in China, especially in Vietnam, We don't necessarily have a concept of I order my hamburger and you order your shrimp or whatever. It's just, we come together and we think about all the dishes and usually your host will be doing that. And he'll be thinking about things like um, balance. He'll be thinking about what foods balance each other. He'll be thinking about health. He'll be thinking about Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, if they get it particularly uh, fried with a lot of oil food, they'll be thinking about a steamed vegetable that balances it. And <laughs> there's all these right. kind of things. And, um, so we always talk, we have to talk quite a bit about etiquette because it's a big deal in, in, uh, food etiquette because, um, in, um, every small short-term team is going to be for sure eating. And hopefully you're going to be invited. Cause that's, the, that's one of the key ways the gospel you, if you're invited to a meal, it's like, that's huge. Uh, that you first of all, you're entering the house and yeah. that they're cooking a meal for you. It's like a real honor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and relationships just go like 10 steps deeper over a meal. Just the very fact of sharing a meal with them. So it's quite interesting in that way. Um, they never think of just, Hey, let's we're hungry. Let's go get a hamburger. They never right. think of that way. They think of the, well, we, uh, we need to get certain They'll go to market all the time. That's why there's so many markets in Asia like Mm -hmm. they're going to market every day because they want the freshest thing and they want the combinations. (laughs) Yeah. And the combinations are amazing, but, um, but foods will be cooked in a real different way than we're used to. I always tell people going to China, especially there, you cannot, there is no such thing as Chinese American food in China. (laughs) <laughs> right. it, it's not at all the same. It's uh, there is no of these sweet sauces and there's none of these deep fried batters and there's all this kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, well, I mean, you can get it if you ask for it, I suppose, if they know right. it, if the cook happens to know about it, but it's just not common. So it's more going to be, we talk about how for a short-termer and I think for any Asian culture, one of the polite things to do is always to take something from every dish they offer whether it doesn't look appealing or not Uh, sometimes it just doesn't your stomach turns when you see it it may not necessarily because the taste, because the look is so different you're not used to that look Mm -hmm. Um, so but you take a little from every dish they really notice it and they're going to try to serve you too and they're going to serve you from different dishes and um, a lot of times in our individualistic ideas we think oh I love that dish so um i bet you the host would just love it if i take all that one you know because he yeah. sees how much i love that one but that actually it's the reverse it's uh it doesn't work that way they actually could be a little offended and think okay. that's very impolite because you you took something that maybe somebody else enjoys sure that so kind of goes we, back
0: to that collective
1: thought too collective, right? uh, uh, you yeah. know i mean
0: if you take <laughs> everything you're not thinking of having some for others yeah that's good yeah
1: yeah. So they really are appreciate when you take a little bit from every dish, because that means, Oh, you love everything. And they also you're approving of their choices and their balance. So they they want to bring health to you. And uh, so, uh, you know, another thing it's hard for at least in South China and um, other Asian countries too, soup is a big deal. Um, and, you know, you're, if you're riding a bicycle and you're hot and you've been sweating and they serve you soup. What do you think? Hot soup. I mean, uh, yeah. what? And they all serve you hot tea and there's no ice to be found. So especially in villages. And if there was, I would recommend having <laughs> right, it. Right. <laughs> you don't know what the water they used, uh, but they never have anything cold like that. And, and they want to serve you hot soup. They think hot tea and hot soup is the best thing on a hot day because uh, your body's hot. So it needs yeah. to receive hot things. And, right. And soups have a lot of nutri- nutrients, But also that's very different, right? For for Westerners, we're just not used to that kind of thing. Um, So anyway, um, those are uh, a couple things that stand out. Um, So are there other etiquettes you mentioned around meals?
0: You mentioned, you know, take some of everything served. uh, Don't take all of one thing. Are there other mealtime etiquettes to know about?
1: uh, Yeah, we we also... um, You know, when you're if it's a lazy Susan's type thing where you're all sharing, um, they'll have nowadays they'll have uh, most places will have what we call the the uh, communal community chopsticks with each dish. So you'll use those chopsticks instead of your own, of course, since your own you're putting in your mouth. So you take those chopsticks, but we usually take the item if the dish um, we take the part of the dish that's that's nearest us when it's rolling around kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, that's also a little bit things that people notice and it's a politeness. And we also like to, um, it's also really nice. Your host will continuously serve you with tea and you'll always be watching when your cup is half full, he'll want to do that. It's also nice um, and a real icebreaker if you take advantage and you take the teapot sometimes and pour him tea. And that shows real honor, yeah. and uh, and they'll just they'll in their politeness will just like you know we want to refuse it, but but it really means something. In the end, it's like wow, that was something that we yeah. honor them, and and you know they'll always be trying to put stuff in your bowl, and that's also something Westerners don't understand sometimes. No, I don't want that, but you never want to say that. You never want to say no, no, no I didn't want that, or make yeah. any gestures with your face or. or hands just receive it and uh you know i always tell people if you really can't handle that particular food item because maybe it's uh well i'll just say something like uh it's does happen like um duck intestine that's served time sometimes with Mm -hmm. you know something very different right and of course it's cleaned and everything but it's just very different and um but you know they they put that if you really can't handle it and you, you can still eat other things with your rice and let that item just kind of slowly go to the bottom of the bowl Mm -hmm. and you can leave it in the bottom of the bowl. But the the worst thing you can do is to refuse it. Right. So that's also one of the etiquettes, but, um, but those things open all those things, it seems little to us, maybe even petty, but it's huge Uh for Asian cultures. Um, and it opens a lot of doors, conversations, they like really respect you and, um, so yeah, and obviously the big deal also is just to observe your host and how okay. he does things and how they do things, but to, actually in most people you visit, they won't eat at all. They're just busy trying to eat, put yeah. food on your plate or your bowl, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. And, and sometimes for, for us Westerners who maybe don't live in a culture that is as big on hospitality, that makes us feel uncomfortable. But it sounds like maybe we should embrace it and allow them to be the host that they desire to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Sometimes it's hard to allow people to serve us from our Mm -hmm. cultural, but it sounds like it's important to kind of allow them to serve you that way. Yeah, exactly. It really is. (laughs) So you mentioned uh, one of the big um, honors of being invited into their home. Can you share? Are there a couple things people should know about etiquette, or or what that might be like when entering somebody's home that they should know to be, you know, they should be aware of and how to behave
1: or or how to act in somebody else's home? Oh, sure. Well, in different settings, it's a little different, but um, in a village setting, for example, um, especially in China, but also some village areas around Asia. Uh, when you go to villages, you'll find that people actually. Um, Very uh, feel very secure because they leave their doors open. Um, That's happening less and less as years go by, but unfortunately. But for the most part, villages tend to be very open. They have all have an open door policy, but we never, of course, walk in uh, to anybody's house. Um, And we don't do anything like knocking, Uh, we don't knock on people's doors. But basically, what people will do in a village setting is they'll be out visiting usually outside their door. And um, usually strike up conversations with them there. And then, um, so things start on the outside and um, they'll first go inside, get a stool for you to sit with them. You'll sit there, you'll talk. And usually when they're really interested or, or want to take a next step with you in relationship, it's they come inside. So then they'll set you by the door. And so usually we take the place by the door and we don't go into the house right away Uh, Mm -hmm. we don't walk around and let me check out your house we just sit by the door and uh, that's quite proper and then um, they serve you tea and that's just kind of a typical way things go or they might when you first strike up a conversation outside they might say hey have some tea Uh, so in a village setting um, depending on the house if the house is quite nice and tiled um, that then you would take off your shoes also at the door. And, um, but the cities, of course, but in many villages, we don't do that. Be, and they don't either because their they're actual, a house a floors could be dirt or right. a, a packed dirt or something. Well, that's not necessary necessarily for that. But yeah. um, it just depends on situation, but the floors are nice, um, surfaced of some sort. You'll see that their shoes are by the door. So it's pretty obvious and you just yeah. take off your shoes. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's a couple of the basic Good. things and then let them, uh, it's kind of like the story of Jesus, uh, you know, when he, he says, don't sit in the place of honor. I mean, uh-huh. go, go down a few levels and then it's more of an honor to be brought back up, you right. know, yeah. rather than be humiliated. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want to, we don't want to bring humiliation or, or upset them, you know, by our, Again, it's just how their neighbors would do it too. Then, if you see a neighbor come while you're visiting, I always notice that they sit. Also, sometimes if we've already got the door uh, spot, they'll sit outside the door just to be one level out. Yeah, they won't go beyond us, you know, unless the host asks them to help him with something. Interesting. So, yeah, there's different things like that you'll notice. I think uh, Chinese are. Um, they've retained these things. I think um, Vietnamese also, uh, I suppose the real sticklers, the ones that are real proper might be Japanese. Um, they have a lot more etiquette, I think. Um, and uh, a lot more, you know, that I'm not even familiar with, but I just hear that a lot about what they right. uh, things they do. It's quite, yeah. everything's quite proper. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, that's uh,
0: interesting. Uh, I do want to repeat so people hear this you don't typically go knocking on doors uh but it's still relational but it sounds like um so would it be normal to kind of walk through a village and you see people outside and 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 it would be normal to begin visiting with them you just wouldn't go knock on a door to visit somebody
1: right right you wouldn't knock on a door so they would yeah you'd be strike up a conversation outside and it's also a way to find out who's kind of interested um just with some feelers, put some feelers out, you know, who's, who's the ones that are quite talkative or, or really curious about you or um, about your culture. I mean, we always use, yeah. um, and this works anywhere. I mean, it can work in a city at park, you know, we, we uh, well, I don't know about young people today though. It'd be more like your smartphone, I guess, but in our day, you know, uh, and we still kind of find it handy just to have a little photo album of photos we've picked. And um and they love what they love to know about is your family that's the first questions they're going to have well it's usually going to be are you married and if you're a little bit older they're going to embarrass you a little bit they don't mean to but in their culture it's like marriage is like it, that's the first thing i mean you you know you don't think about other things marriage is the first thing because it's kids right and it's the yeah it's the line you got to keep the line going cuz they're their lines are very important, their family lines. And so, um, so they'll ask, you know, they'll often ask ladies their age. And that just seems so impolite, but to them, it's not impolite. It's, it's all practicalities. Yeah. And they're going to say, okay, what's the, they'll even say things they'll tell you, they'll say, okay, what's the issue? What's going on here? All right. You're 30. You're not married. Okay. There's so many men in this country, (laughs) or, you know, they'll say things like that. It's just, and to the Western woman, it's like kind of embarrassing, but to them, it's not embarrassing. It's like, I'm gonna help you. We're gonna figure this out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So
0: there's something that, let's unpack this for a second. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, I love this. I wanna point out, you said family's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes, uh, again, in our setting, Western especially, I mean, I'm, I live in the United States. So, um, you know, we are accomplishment driven Uh, sometimes even before family uh well often before family Mm -hmm. so so it's the opposite so we have to know going into that culture it's not that way uh pointed out nicely but but that's why they'll ask about it first so uh, (laughs) um but it's interesting some of what i feel like you're describing here is there's a real directness it sounds like uh Is that true? Am I picking that up right? That There's kind of a directness in communication. Is that normal or am I misunderstanding or are they only kind of direct about some things, uh, or,
1: uh, yeah, there, well, yeah, I'd say direct about some things, um, the, in conversations, um, like I was referring just to beginning conversations, they seem to be most interested in family, whether you're married family, they want to see a picture of your kids. They want to see, uh, yeah, they are somewhat interested in your country, but not, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but in other ways, um, if you, they're not gonna ask you, um, and they would definitely not be one, to, you would not ask them about uh, the dark side of their family or, sure. or issues that you know, they don't wanna talk about, um, that that would be a loss of face. Mm-hmm. So um they're talking about family most in light of listen you especially with a young lady you need to uh honor your parents you know mm-hmm. they need grandkids so let's get get on the program here you know that way they're quite direct yeah um but when we talk about if we talk about um they're not direct when it comes to as we are, we're direct, quite direct about talking about sin, that we all sin and we all have issues um, to them. That would cause them to pause a bit because you're not going to get um, unless the Holy Spirit just, uh just does something amazing in their heart right away. But usually you're not going to get a response of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can see that. I'm a sinner. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. They're going to be thinking more, no, if I said that, um, then that brings shame to my family because, yeah, I may have done that as an individual, but I'm I, I'm affecting my whole family if I say it. So yeah. a lot of things are left unsaid and um, it just for that very reason. And we sometimes you call it face, you know, the face issue. Yeah.
0: So um, we're, we're, we're kind of uh, circling things, I think, which is normal with culture, but but you know, some of these things you've talked about, yeah, I, we swing background into the collective. Uh, you know, you think about your parents not having grandchildren, you're dishonoring your parents. Again, that's kind of the collective thinking about others. And, but uh, So you brought in this concept of honor and shame and face. Uh, maybe you're starting to do that anyway, but can you uh, help us understand uh, what that means? What do you mean by honor and shame or what does that look
1: like in that culture? Oh, yeah. Um, Well, yeah, I think that is one thing that um, is quite common throughout Asia, I believe. Um, And uh, I'm not an expert, uh, but there's so many good resources about it. Um, uh, The honor shame concept and a lot of it uh, for the background of it comes from the Confucian teaching. And that was from China. And China in those days affected by and large all of Asia, except maybe India and Tibet a little, maybe not so much, but it affected most of Asia. It affected Japan greatly. Um, Vietnam was a, you could say, a empire of theirs at one time and a colony or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't get into Thailand, but there's so many cultures that were affected by this Confucian idea where... Um, where there's a hierarchy in society and, um, and hierarchy comes through knowledge. Um, it comes through testing your knowledge. Um, the examination system was very prominent and examinations still in Asia are really important. Um, even in China, even though it's communist, uh, that those Confucian kind of ideas are still very much there, shame and honor. And the communists use it as well, but um, but they'll. Uh, what what is happening is, um, if you don't, uh, if you attain uh, a certain level, you bring honor to not just your, not so much about yourself. You just brought honor to your grandparents who may or may not be living. You brought your honor to the whole clan. Um, Just by doing well in this exam, if you become a government official because of that exam um, or or in modern days, we could say can work for the government because it also requires high examination levels in most Asian countries, then you have just brought honor. It's not so much about, uh, yeah, you're going to get more money for what you just did and you're going to bring more money to the family. But the bigger deal to them is just the status that you raised the whole family up. Mm. um to this certain spot yeah and um and that's going to last a long time i mean yeah and and there's your hierarchy isn't it yeah yeah hierarchy yeah Mm -hmm. so when you speak badly um against you know a government official um no matter (laughs) if they're not going. well first of all they're not going to do it very openly they're Mm -hmm. not gonna they might amongst within their family but um they're going to be very careful uh, not to speak badly about officials, and even if they're corrupt, um, because of that whole. If I dishonor, you know, I might bring dishonor to my family. There's going to be repercussions because I stepped over the line, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that part is kind of the a negative consequence because the fear of shame um, keeps them a lot of times from doing. Uh, the right thing right also because they don't want to stand out and so um, yeah I, I'm not doing a very good job am I but,
0: no uh, no you're doing a great job I understand this okay. idea of hierarchy that's why honor is so important
1: yeah, uh, yeah. is
0: because that is the hierarchy and then we've already talked about the collective and the family and, and so yeah. it's really easy to see why um, why uh, the hierarchy and honor isn't just important to me but my whole family so you you touched on something here that um for us in a western culture i think we often take religion and make it very individual you said uh-huh. this it's it, we will admit individually uh worse we're sinners we've done that things but we control our future we choose um you know we choose jesus individually salvation and of course the bible even supports the sense that i'm responsible for my sins and and only you know only i can give my heart to jesus Mm -hmm. it's not something my family can do for me right but yet uh, of course the biblical jesus's own culture probably would have been perhaps more collective and more family oriented like an asian culture than our own so um so on the one sense, Christianity is a, a, a relationship with Jesus is individual. Um, but yet our, our culture, we tend to take religion and make it very individual. But you're talking about a culture that's not individualistic, that's collective.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and I'm sure you would say therein lies the challenge. Um, mm-hmm. So do you have some thoughts about how do you share the gospel or have spiritual conversations somebody uh-huh. that leads them towards a relationship um individually despite the fact that they're in this greater collective family context that is not that's not uh, as as friendly towards uh jesus as perhaps one of our western cultures uh-huh
1: yeah, uh, uh, before I go un- into that too much, I will say just uh, that there is, of course, changes happening in Asia as with everywhere amongst young people. And so um, Asians are beginning to get more individualistic mm-hmm. um, and less, um, they're less cautious about what their family thinks um, for good or bad. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I would say for Having said that, when I share the good news with a younger person in Asia, um, there's, it, it, you can go more almost into an in, individual uh, realm more. Uh, but I think what really, one thing that kind of grabs them in terms, because they have this hierarchy background um, and they have a respect, uh, actually in some ways a really healthy respect and reverence they have a real reverence for um, ancestors who went before them. Um, you'll see that through altars they'll set up for the dead. Um, but the, the worship, of course, is not healthy, but <laughs> that part yeah, we right. uh, can't approve of. But this uh, this kind of innate sense of I revere and I appreciate and I respect um all that they did for my parents and look what my parents are doing for me. And this kind of thing is actually quite good. Mm-hmm. And um, if we speak to them of uh, the creator who created their ancestors and who had this uh, standard, this creator had this amazing standard um, that would, if you if you went with the standard um, and this relationship, it would bring great honor and it, you, you would share about how it brings honor to a whole people and a whole nation and um, it brings blessings and they love the word blessing in Asia. They love that word. In fact, if you, regardless how far your gospel message goes, we always ask, could we pray a blessing on your house or a blessing on your family? And they'll never. I okay. Maybe one out of a hundred times I've had someone say no. <laughs> it's always yes. They have no concept of prayer or what you're about to do. But the word blessing is so important to them. So when we bring in this creator, this God who created us, His intent is blessing. His intent is uh, relationships in a family that are um, peaceful and that are loving um that really kind of draws them in so we always talk about with our teams we say let's always start with uh creation because it shows very much how god loves us and in in a village contest it's really great because there's always pictures you show of the rice field the sun and the rain you know it's like Mm -hmm. to them it's so obvious yeah this yeah, somebody must be kind of preparing something yeah because we love to eat these foods and we always have sun we always have rain there's always um and it's hard work but we we get to eat the fruit of it and so we always talk about creation a lot and even and in the cities it's important because young people uh in most of asia especially china are taught in vietnam are taught very uh strongly uh, evolution mm-hmm. and that um it's it's to them it's a scientific fact it's not a theory it's fact and they're going to the governments will say this is fact there's no argument with it there's no there's no other theory it's just this is the fact so when they hear about creation initially they're going to it's going to be really kind of bizarre to them because mm-hmm. they've never a lot of them never had this concept ever told them right and they really have had no other idea but um but those things, when you start sharing about this God, and then we say Father God, it's like Father God. There's a it starts establishing this family idea, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the on, the honor he he has bestowed, and and then we talk about how special we are. We often share about how different we are, unique we are, and um, and how our uniqueness really helps each other and brings. Um, harmony. There's some of us that are gifted to do this, some to do that, and it, it brings harmony. And those kind of things really um, speak to them and draw them in, and it seems less, maybe less foreign to them. Good. Um, so that's. Did I answer the question? Yeah. No, that was great. And and as you
0: were sharing, of course, uh, we we see uh, very biblically what you're sharing, uh, but you're, you're sharing the, the, that collective context. That was, that was fantastic. That was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, maybe the last, uh, the last question here, uh, well, yeah, the last question here, um, uh, what is, uh, of course, uh, people are going to have their own mindset, but generally what is the atmosphere towards Jesus in Asian cultures? Is it completely foreign? Is it hostile towards it? Is it, uh, is it, is Jesus and the teachings of Jesus or, or the, the plan for salvation is that absolutely in contradiction to um, things that they would, believe about life and afterlife i mean what is uh what is the uh, the atmosphere there towards uh, christianity or towards specifically jesus
1: yeah well in general um the first comments sometimes you get is um uh this they'll they'll label it a western religion um and they're very surprised you know when we share about other people in their country who are christians especially if you share in china and they didn't they don't realize what people believe this in china and and when you share things like that um that that helps break that barrier a little bit and then if you share um when we we always have Chinese team members. I mean, uh, in a short-term situation, it's a, a, a must because you know yeah. we have to have translators. So I always tell our team members, you know, that's the mindset that when you're going to be the one as Westerners or foreigners, it doesn't have to be a Westerner; it could be Singaporean or Malaysian. Uh, but you're still a foreigner in China. You're going to be the ones that. Um, Are going to be the conversation starters because they're very interested in you and they have a lot of questions for you and you're going to show pictures and you're going to tell your stories and and you're going to be the one that starts sharing the gospel because they're going to intently listen to you because you're very curious what you're going to say Uh, but i always tell them when you sense the holy spirit is starting to bring conviction to one or two in that group or in that family slowly start stepping back and letting the Chinese translator uh, come in with their story because they need to hear it from a Chinese person that, yeah, my friend has been talking about this, but do you know what? I believe this too. And uh, I, I want you to know what Jesus did for me and my family, and I was a family of Ancestor worshipers, or I was a family of idol worshippers. I was all these different things, and they'll share from their their story, and then it helps the people see, oh, okay, this is not a Western thing. This is a universal thing. This is a Father God who created all of us uniquely different, um, but loves us the same. And um, so that's uh, one thing. And uh, can you go back to the question again? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just kind of the atmosphere towards oh, atmosphere, uh, yeah.
0: Christianity and Jesus. Is it uh, yeah, hostile, you know, hostile or accepting? Is it open? Yeah. yeah,
1: it's. I wouldn't say it's accepting because or open in China, mm-hmm. um, but they, mainly because there's been, especially sadly in recent years, uh, very strong uh, propaganda against Uh, anything Western but especially against Christianity. So this happened um, in China and it's even being voiced now in Hong Kong which is really unusual (laughs) because it's the shopping paradise for Christmas. But this idea that Christmas is, and actually the, the year before I left they already started a new propaganda which was Christmas is actually, and the reason they said that, the reason they said it's evil is because in history of China, there was one revolution. Well, it was called the Boxers Revolution, where the boxers um, were a group of Chinese people that were super nationalistic and uh, super emperor worshipers. And they went after all missionaries and slaughtered um, hundreds of missionaries, whole families. So children, wives, husbands they slaughtered them um well that happened just before christmas eve on christmas eve the colonial powers that were in china at that time sent unified sent all their forces and went back on christmas eve and slaughtered Mm -hmm. uh probably many more chinese that were leading the revolution so then china now goes back to that piece of history and says that's how evil it is because here's these supposed christian countries and look what they chose to do on their most special holiday. That's yeah. that's very evil. So um, that was really, really hard for us to see. And for the Christians in China, the Chinese Christians, it was so, so uh, discouraging. <laughs> but anyway, any kind of uh, vestige of Christmas, like, um, of course, no words anymore, but also like a Christmas tree or Christmas lights That that so many, I mean, these are, just ordinary Chinese folks that had no belief in Christianity that they just mm-hmm. thought it was a cool holiday. So they had their Santa Claus up, right. you know, they thought that they thought was about Santa Claus. So, yeah, but um, anyway, we just always pray God turns it around these kind of lies, to the enemy and um, just, they're just stirring up this kind of hate kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so we've had to be, we couldn't do, we could not do things like in the past, we had a window, especially in China, about 20 years or so where, We had all kinds of fun things. It could be an outreach. You could have Christmas outreaches, maybe making cookies. Uh, You could do um, Easter egg hunts and then share through the Easter eggs, the meaning of it. Um, So many things. But now uh, things have gotten really tight and uh, difficult. So, yeah, I'd say it's not an open time at the moment. Um, So we kind of stay away from... Then those kind of issues; those are the hot words, or the what's the word? How do they say that nowadays? But you know, key words that yeah. people key in on because the government has made such a big deal. So we kind of stay away from those, okay. and more go with um, yeah, like Father God and uh, Jesus His Son, and um, not so much the words about Christianity or religion or those mm-hmm. kind of things. But talk yeah. a lot about relationship okay. and. Um, and they're eager for that. They're eager for, that's what they're missing, you know, in so many of these societies is a genuine relationship. They have strong relationships in terms of family as a unit that we will not shame them, but they don't, you can't say within that family that they're super close. You can't assume that Asian cultures, those family members are really tight with each other or just share everything about themselves. They usually have a lot more secrets than what they share Uh, they're, they're really bound up. So when they hear about who you can share everything with and you can talk to and who loves you no matter what um, and forgives you no matter what, it's like, wow. Cause their family's not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so for people who are listening and, and perhaps they felt a calling to, um, to engage in um, Asian cultures, Uh, Do you have some recommendations for how they can do that?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think, yeah, any kind of cross-cultural training would be good. Um, Read some good books on culture, Asian cultures. I think um, for me, uh, I didn't know at that time, but it was interesting that the way God designed me, I actually lived near a Japanese community Um, in eastern Oregon of all places Mm -hmm. (laughs) and because they were interned there from the war but I got to know Asian cultures and be around it so I think uh in your home country first of all make some Asian friends and um start to understand observe their the way they um talk to other people and uh things that concern them of course many of your Asian friends in your home country will probably be um third generation, second generation. So, of course, they're probably very similar to you. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the family things you can find out about, and uh, and I did, when I didn't get much from a friend, um, a peer in America, an Asian peer, but I got more from when I got into their home mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> and could see, observe a little bit how they relate to each other and their politeness. And, um, you know, we have a, In one thing you can prepare yourself for is, yeah, to stop thinking yourself so much as an individual. Um, uh, I mean, uh, that didn't come out right. You're an individual created by God, very special. Um, But you're going to a culture that um, is seeing a bigger picture than themselves. And um, that's what you'll find in Asian cultures is more politeness. And um, again, there'll be no usually <clears throat> in a context with you around and even sometimes in the family is not going to be a, um, well, for sure, if as a, you're an outsider, so consider yourself an outsider. So deeper conversations or about conversations of real issues, like in a Christian setting, we would say, Oh, we better pray for you guys for that. They're not going to share those things. Cause that's a family matter. Um, But you get to know those things. You also get to know that part of that is they're saying politeness. So they have um, in China, they call it Kerchi or Kerchi hua. So it's a whole, um, it's politeness talk. So you, you basically um, are saying things that um, build up your family, build up yourself, um, that aren't not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, you don't wear your feelings on your shirt sleeve like we do in the West. Um, They could be having a a miserable day, but because you're a guest and um, you're to be honored. And also they're gonna honor their family. um, They're gonna say things that are like probably not true, but you're going to learn to say those kind of things too, because it's what they want to hear. Um, it, it makes them comfortable. Let's say it that way. It, it breaks ice in a different way. It's, it makes them comfortable. So you might think, oh, we need to get deep into some issues here. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, you kind of go around about it a little bit. You do end okay. up getting into some issues, but it's in a much more like slow way. And it's in real politeness and real honor and uh, nothing gets torn down and uh, there's no divisions and you know I, I sometimes share the example because people talking to me in america oh are we coming to the point of persecution um mm-hmm. this is a tangent but it kind of ties into this are we coming into persecution are we um is it the end of the world are, are we going to become like china we have to meet in house churches and police are going to meet after us or whatever okay. the government but you know I, I have to remind people you know in china um uh, Christians there are just used to it. And to them, this is church. They've never known a church like we've known in the West Mm -hmm. where we're really free and where we have all these programs and we have all these entertainments and we have these big concerts and flash things. They never know anything like that. So to them, there's no real issue with communism. (laughs) Hmm. And sometimes that surprises, uh, especially my American friends. I mean, they're thinking, not thinking temporary, they're thinking kingdom. yeah. So they're not working as a Christian community to always fight this government that's so heavy handed and against them. They're praying a lot mm-hmm. and um, they're finding the joy in just being different and yeah. being part of the kingdom. And <laughs> so the temporary stuff, uh, yeah, sure, they would love it. I'm sure they'd love to have some kind of society like America. They'd love that, but it's not like well, I just can't go on without it. You know, <laughs> right. They're just gonna, um, but, but that's also kind of, um, a politeness in a way they're, they're not going to, um, speak against the government, even though in their hearts, they say, wow, that's really wicked. Or, you know, these policies are horrible or right, <laughs> they're terrible towards freedoms, but you know, they're not going to say that they're going to still, um, be patriotic. They're going to love their country. Mm-hmm. They're going to, um, hope for the best, you know, Yeah. but they also have the understanding. These are temporary situations and we're living in an, in a, in an untemporary life. We have a eternal life and we're going to see the kingdom come through. So I bring that back to politeness into the Christian sense, um, that it's also in the Christian sense and maybe even more because they even had an added dimension of yeah of like the world would just say oh we got to get rid of these communists or uh these kind of things but they're more thinking well yeah it's it is what it is and hey we lived with imperial rule for 2000 years they were similar yeah, <laughs> in many ways yeah.
0: right right <laughs> and we're
1: still thriving and we could still we just have to be careful and creative how we right. share and in the family which works well and uh, one by one and all these kind of things so <laughs>
0: Good. and then you have a couple of websites to recommend as well
1: oh yeah um yeah we try to put up there's a website i recommend um go to serve.com and that's geo with a to serve uh, dot com and that is a website that um is trying to put up a lot of availability of what's out there for emissions and there is asia in there it's a whole world but There's Asia things in there, opportunities in Asia, there's training uh, resources, there's um, um, all kinds of things. There's the practical issues of insurance and travel also in there, but uh, I like that website. I'd like to recommend it. And also if you have an interest, if when I said cycling and that kind of like, whoop, you clued into that, Yeah. um, there is a website called cyclingadventures.org and um is just like that cyclingadventures.org. And that has some interesting th- opportunities for you. Um, I know at the moment what the organization, that organization is doing at the moment is a little bit um, on, on a, on a hold uh, just because of all these situations going on right. around the world um, and COVID and all that. But uh, yeah, it might be something you like to read about and yeah. uh, pray for and um Yeah, I just really do hope all our listeners um, that Asia will get a tug on your heart. Um, It's the, certainly right now, India is all we're thinking about because Mm -hmm. of COVID and the tragedy there. Yeah. But I mean, Asia in general, just huge amounts of population. And if you can reach one, there's always amazing stories of you reach one and maybe that's all you reach, but. Could yeah. that one affect their family? Could their whole family come to Lord? Could a whole village come to Lord? We hear those kind of testimonies, yeah. just one. And so it's slow sometimes and uh, slower than, than our usual, you know, uh, crusade idea or Billy Graham, Billy Graham right. evangelistic meeting or something. It's just, you know, one-on-one because of all the restrictions in Asia also because of culture mm-hmm. um, they like that one-on-one building a relationship going deeper with one person it's slow but it's really uh, beautiful and they're going to be lifelong friends i tell you yeah if yeah. you do it right lifelong doesn't matter if you go back to your country they're going to be lifelong friends <laughs> excellent.
0: So. excellent well thanks so much for uh taking some time to talk with us about the asian culture and um and how to serve within it how to build relationships how to have spiritual conversations and share the gospel
1: uh, yeah we I really
0: enjoyed it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Me too. We appreciate your time. Thank you.
1: All right. Bless you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Better Mission Trips podcast from Standards of Excellence in Short-Term Mission, or SOE for short. For more information or resources about how to make your mission trips better, or even to become a member of SOE, visit us at our website, soe.org. And a special thank you to Melissa White for producing this episode.